Oi, oi, streamers. Welcome to Crossing Streams, episode one. Here with my buddy, Matty G. We're going to do a quick recap of what Crossing Streams is about. Um, so, Matt, I'll throw it to you. Give the listeners a, a, a quick uh, recap in case they didn't hear episode zero, and we'll dive right into it. My pleasure. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the first real episode of, epi- of Crossing Streams. I kind of think of episode zero as more or less our pilot. Uh, this is a TV-centered uh, podcast designed to be a little on the shorter side and look at just kind of the highs, lows, and maybe larger themes of this past week in television. We will focus mostly but not entirely on shows in the sci-fi and superhero and maybe fantasy genres. We will be throwing in all of the CW shows when they start up next week. We will definitely be talking Orphan Black when it starts up in a couple of months. Uh, You know, We're going to talk some Gotham. We're going to talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, we may, we're going to talk some stuff we checked out on Netflix and, uh, just going to go, go with it. See where it goes from there. Absolutely, man. That sounds awesome. Uh, I can't wait to dive into it. I was struggling to come up with like a, you know, a quick story to start with this week, but, uh, fortunately, um, in the last half hour, I was sent an amazing image of, um, today is, uh, Saturday, uh, January 21st. Uh, Donald Trump was inaugurated yesterday. We're not going to talk too much politics, but there's some interesting cultural things popping up at the protests across the country and around the world. But certainly the best has to be the one in DC where, uh, Melissa Benoist, uh, the amazing charismatic star of Supergirl, a show which Benoist. we're going to be... Oh, Benoist, excuse me. Um, uh, a show which we're going to st- talk about uh, uh, extensively starting this coming week, right, Matt? Without the CW oh, yeah. week coming uh, up. Um, uh, Benoist, right? I was actually mentally preparing to say it correctly, and then I said it the wrong <laughs> way. Such as a little life of a podcaster. Anyways, she is in plain clothes wearing a, a, a sweatshirt that just says feminist. Um, on Instagram, holding a sign that says, you know, Donald Trump, don't try and grab my P-U-S-S-Y. I hate saying that word it, because yeah. it's made of steel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know what? She, she's kind of little in real life, but I, I wouldn't want to tangle with uh, uh, Melissa Benoist, let alone Supergirl. And there's a ton, as you would imagine, Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher stuff all over the place, you know, and sort of a rallying cry. And it's really kind of interesting and cool that, you know, I mean... If you're listening to this podcast, you know what my political opinions are. Uh, Matt's a journalist. I'm not going to put him on the record. You know I hate Trump. Uh, If you're still with me at this point in the podcast, you you probably at least are open-minded to not liking Trump, even if you don't hate him, which is totally fine. Um, But uh, it it is interesting to note um, that, um, Matt, you can at least, uh, I think, agree that, you know, the the superhero, the big-name superhero characters from both studios and the Star Wars actors do not seem to be holding back or pulling punches, including well before the actual election happened, leading up leading up to the election. And I wonder if there's some critical mass in the entertainment industry. You know how sort of base, uh, athletes have taken over from owners, at least in baseball and, and arguably in basketball uh, over the last couple decades, uh, or at least the power dynamic issue. So I wonder if we're seeing something similar in the entertainment business. I mean... I- I would argue that the power dynamic has not shifted as much as you think. The owners mm-hmm. still have the power to lock out the players if they don't like what the players are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it does certainly seem like most of the superheroes who have chosen actors portraying superheroes who have chosen to spoke out have been against Trump. Now, I would also argue that if you are an actor, even if you are just a television actor, you have a fair amount of privilege and can get away with being acerbic and confrontational in a way that a lot of people can't sure. it's it's unlikely that 
Donald Trump could really do anything to hurt Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr., although I don't know if Downey Jr. has ever spoken out on politics either yes. way, or even Melissa Benoist for that matter. So it's cool that they're doing this. I mean, I, I love Supergirl. I'm a big fan of the job Melissa Benoist is doing. I think she can get away with doing that, um, and probably there isn't a whole lot that could ever happen to her from a legal standpoint that would really sure. affect her her livelihood. It doesn't mean she shouldn't speak out. Um, but yeah, I, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm giving positive props rather than coming up with the reasons why they can't do this or that or so you know. And it's not just that she's there; it's the sign. I mean, that that's there are a lot of little it's a pretty girls. graphic sign. I, yeah. I will say that. I mean, there, I. I've, I read that one. Of, wow. There are a lot of little girls and boys that watch her show, you know? Oh, yeah. And so CW Her character have to resonates especially well with young girls. I mean, when even before the show came out, there were a lot of photos. Granted, they were press release photos of little girls coming up to her, wanting to pose with her, wanting to flex, wanting autographs. Yeah. So, you know, Joss Whedon has said his daughter loves Supergirl. Um, yeah. So it's a character that really resonates with with young girls yeah um but 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 you know a lot of those young girls either heard those comments in the media when they were made or heard about them so i have uh, you no know, doubt and so it, it's actually it, it's best to to address such comments head on and who better than supergirl so that was really cool she seems like i said this about kristen ritter she's like a girl that i would just love to be friends with seems awesome and kristen ritter slash jessica jones was the first person i thought of being like god damn it why doesn't my superpower let me do say something <laughs> <laughs> to that to that extent although i'm sure she could come up with some kill gravy stuff um, I'm positive she could come up with a good pun if she wanted to. Yeah. So, um, um, so with that as a transition, um, our superheroes being active on and off screen. So, Matt, I was thinking uh, for each week, it, you just do a quick rundown of the shows you've seen, but you're not saying that you're going to necessarily talk about the shows, just so we know what's fair game, or at least like some. Like this week, there's still only a handful. So, I don't know if you're going to talk about all of them. Just let us know what you've seen this week, and then we'll jump into the top three uh, uh, moments in television. Sure. I mean, the main shows, uh, you know, that I watched that we might we talked about last week and that might be recurring for as long as they're on the air. Uh, Gotham had its midseason premiere. Uh, um, <laughs> Taboo had its second episode of eight. Um, Taboo being the FX Tom Hardy East India Trading Company mm-hmm. doc- period piece, historical fiction. Um, and then I finally started watching The Crown because I was bored. Um, oh, and okay. I, I actually really like it. Um, so yeah. I will certainly be checking out the rest of that over the course of probably the coming week. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So um, number three uh, top TV moment of the week. I would have to say um, the fight with uh, at the end of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was pretty good. Um, you know, it. so we're going to get into spoilers in this show in yeah, every episode. We're not going to talk about a whole episode and then stop two minutes before it ends. So Yeah, let me jump in real quick, Matt. I should have mentioned this in last week's podcast, and I'll put this in the copy this week and probably every week, that this is every every show that is currently airing or about to air is is spoiler territory it is, is basically you know up for grabs in terms of spoiling things and you know matt's going to be spoiling some shows that i'm behind on a little bit and then I, I accepted that as uh you know the one tiny downside of, of doing this project so uh, if you do you know, if you don't want to be spoiled on these shows 
Um, but you want to listen to some of the podcasts and maybe catch up and come back. Um, but part of the reason we're sort of having a bunch of shows other than Matt watches a lot and is analyzing them is that, you know, it, you're not going to be spoiled every week on every show. And I think it's safe to say, Matt, that like it, it, this is going to be a spoiler coming up, but like not every point every week is going to be a spoilery comment, right? Or, or like a hardcore spoiler. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so the warning is on. So go ahead. So I'm actually going to change that up. The The number three moment is probably um, – so Gotham, for people who don't know, is about it, – it takes place in Gotham City, obviously. Um, and it takes place sort of – Bruce Wayne is like 13, 14, 15. So mm-hmm. as I, I think the history is always that when he turns 18, he leaves Gotham for about 10 years, gets trained over in the East, and comes back and becomes Batman. So it's – Basically, Gotham City 15 years before the arrival of um, Batman. So everything sucks, and there are a lot of young characters that are hinted at as going to become the characters that we know from the comics or from the Christopher Nolan movies or the Schumacher, you know, from pre-existing Batman stuff. One character that was introduced, uh, I actually can't remember if it was season one or two, is a guy named Jerome Valeska, um, a circus actor like a carney who goes crazy he's got a big grin he's psychotic played by a guy named cameron monahan obviously very very much implied to either be a young joker or be a prototype character that the joker would later copy he gets killed in season two uh but people he's already been on tv a bunch of times and he's starting to basically drive the city crazy Mm -hmm. and so when in part of an investigation, young James Gordon and Harvey Bullock happen on a meeting of people who are basically watching Jerome's videos over and over again, repeating them in a cult-like fashion. Um, this guy is so over the top in his performance that it's actually kind of fun to watch. And this idea of a town going crazy because of this one guy, that actually does sort of work with the idea that this show is supposed to take you, what make you watch Gotham descend to the point of madness that Batman ultimately has to come back and fight. Um, so it was really cool seeing Cameron Monaghan come back. I get the sense they're going to find some way to bring him back to life and he's going to be a, a character for the rest of the season. Interesting, interesting. Um, so not a horrible uh, beginning to Gotham. Um, I have a, a question about Gotham and, and comparing Gotham and S.H.I.E.L.D., but why don't I let you do your S.H.I.E.L.D. moment first? Sure. All right, so number two uh, was probably Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, which, you know, this episode is about... So this season has introduced a new character named Jeffrey Mace, to, who replaced Coulson at Coulson's request as the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I don't exactly... I, Coulson kind of just wanted somebody with superpowers to take over for a while and be the new face of S.H.I.E.L.D. So they picked this guy, Jeffrey Mace. In the comics, this guy is known as the Patriot, and he was actually a, another guy who was called Captain America for a while in, like, the 50s. Or something. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, he portrays himself as an inhuman for a while. He has super strength and durability. This episode reveals that he, in fact, is not an inhuman. He has been taking the same serum that Kyle McLaughlin's character, Calvin Zabo, or Mr. Hyde, was taking in season two. So he doesn't go crazy, but that's how he gets his super strength and invulnerability is through an injection. Um, and there's a pretty cool fight scene at the end where his injections all get destroyed, and he has to more or less outwit, you know, he has to s- 
intimidate the other people into standing down. And it's a cool moment. Mm. I like Jason O'Mara's portrayal. Um, fun fact, Jason O'Mara has also more or less replaced Kevin Conroy as the voice of Batman in most of the recent animated films. So mm. weird bit of crossover there. Mm. Um, he's the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Batman. <laughs> um, a quick nod to uh, the great Mark Hamill for reading Trump quotes in the Joker voice. <laughs> Mark Hamill's Joker is so amazing. It's the best. I, 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 Jesse shared with me a couple of weeks ago um, the the like the pre- the Bible for how the Batman animated TV show was made. Like all of the thoughts of the creators, yep. it's really intricate and really fascinating. And if you want a cool read. Google it. It's available online for free, but it's really fascinating to see how well thought out this cartoon was. Um, and considering it was really the first of its kind, because the Super Friends was not this interesting, uh, it, it's amazing how how you know how impressive and deep it is. And and the Joker sounds nothing like Luke Skywalker. You'd never know. No. I mean, even, <laughs> even when you do know, you're going, no, it's not Mark Hamill. No, he sounds like, I mean, Mark Hamill more or less has repurposed that voice as the trickster on The Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the many reasons why I, the, the trickster is one of my favorite recurring bad guys on The Flash. That and the line, dreidel, 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 I made you out of C4 <laughs> from his Christmas episode last year. Uh, so, you know, I'm not sure that this argument of does it's different to get your superpowers from a serum versus from being an inhuman does it really matter anymore i it's that seems like kind of a weak uh distinction but it's a cool fight scene at the end where they're fighting off watchdogs who are these anti-inhuman you know bad guys another thing that was probably just repurposed from some anti-mutant x X x-men group um yeah. Um, and well, and so before we get to number one, I just want to throw a quick Gotham Shield comparison, which is mm-hmm. they're both spinoffs from an existing property. Uh, Shield is very much forced to exist in, in the pre-existing Marvel Cinematic Universe. Gotham is sort of a alternate timeline that might potentially be the real timeline, right? Under certain interpretations, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, Gotham is trying to be a prequel. As we talked about, prequels almost never work. But it's it's not just because there's something structurally wrong with prequels. It's just that they're really hard to pull off, and they're usually cash grabs. Um, and so that's why they, they they don't work. But they do have some more freedom. You know, for example, like they don't have to explain the Joker this far early. In fact, I give them credit for sitting. And I didn't realize Gotham was that far before Bruce Wayne comes back. Uh, I, I give them credit for that because it does allow them some freedoms. Yeah. Um, and so you've heavily criticized both shows. Um, I'm sure if you had to take your pick, you, you'd rather uh, Gotham be good than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Even I would agree with that. Again, I'm sick of the, the metahuman, superhuman, inhuman thing, and th- that is one of the appealing things about the, the Batman universe uh, to a certain extent, or at least that's like the Gotham universe. So do you think that um, both shows have the same potential, let's say, for getting better if they got better writers and stuff, or, or they're both kind of... You know, there's only a certain threshold that they can reach structurally, and it doesn't matter who you throw at the project. Well, I think the each show has a different problem. The problem with Agents of Shield is that it exists in this Marvel Cinematic Universe, but isn't really allowed to be part of this 
Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's never going to be an Infinity Stone on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've said I wish there would be yep. or, or that one would show up on one of the Netflix shows, but there's never going to be. I mean, there's only one left anyway, I think, at this point, and we're pretty sure it's going to be in Black Panther. So it's always everything happens in the movies and then these people deal with the fallout. And so it very much feels like a B-tier project within this whole thing even in a way the netflix shows don't because they just say fuck it we're going to do our own thing Mm -hmm. um agents of shield is much more directly tied into the big events in the movies and it's this trickle down feeling that's not as fun because you just kind of feel like well why am i watching people clean up thor's mess instead of watching thor make a mess you know why am i watching people i don't care about necessarily deal with hydra guys i've never heard of when i could just be watching winter soldier where people i do like are fighting hydra um, yeah i mean it, it, would it be so expensive and hard to get chris evans to come on for five minutes once a season you know i no, mean no i don't think it would be i think i mean there's this has been documented that there are conflicts between the people running agents of shield and kevin feige and the people mm-hmm. running the movies and it just seems like they are ordered to not do that they're not allowed to bring on the a-list players even though they did bring on samuel L. jackson in the season one finale they did um and, and kobe smolders i think yep. showed up in the pilot but really yeah. nobody famous has showed up since then well um, if you if you go backwards continuity uh jamie alexander is fairly well known now but when she was on the show she did wasn't a star of her own show at that point i don't think no but again it's one of thor's friends it's yeah. not thor um, yeah, absolutely. It's it's ridiculous. It, it has to be the infighting because you know if if you had three episodes a season and one of the episodes Chris Evans came on ten minutes, one of the episodes Robert Downey Jr. came on ten minutes, and one of the episodes Thor came on ten minutes, you could totally afford that. Those guys would be game for it if it was in the right context. And this is part of what you were talking about. You know, Chloe Bennett complaining about the the lack of continuity when it would be so easy. You have to imagine it's a bunch of adults that are just acting like children at, at Marvel Studios right now. Is the only thing I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so yeah, I don't know if Jeff Loeb is the is the executive VP of Marvel Television. I I don't know if just he and Kevin Feige don't get along or what. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, you know that's the problem. I think Shield has the problem. Gotham has is I just don't think there is a whole lot more that you can mine out of Batman. I think Matt Batman has been done to death at this point, and even in a way that Superman hasn't. And so I think there is so little left to draw out of this universe, you know, that doing this prequel thing, it just, it can't be that good because there's nothing new to say about these characters anymore. Um, Everything has already been said about Batman and his friends that can be said. Um, And so, you know, and it's a prequel and prequels always they just don't work because they don't seem to make a real point about the pre about the stuff that you already know exists. Batman, the original three Star Wars movies, you know, origin stories, prequels. If they don't make a point, you're kind of left feeling like, well, why did I watch this? I already can see a better polished version of this by watching A New Hope or by watching, uh, you know, one of the Batman movies. Um, so, yeah. you know. I think, for me, the structural problem with S.H.I.E.L.D. could be solved without having to bring <clears throat> the main TV uh, movie actors on, which is, 
they try and make you know each arc and each episode and each season feel like it's so high stakes. But it's impossible right. to believe that because they're, you know, as they keep joking about in various media, you know, we have the Avengers to deal with these problems. Right. You know, even even in the Spider-Man movie, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is trying to, uh, he's apparently trying to, you know, keep Spider-Man from going after the A-list villains, if you will, because there are people to handle that, them being the Avengers. Um, right. They, uh, and so they, they force these high stakes and it ends up feeling like medium stakes because they can't possibly be taking on the hardest missions on the planet. And so... If they had just focused on making the stakes medium from the beginning, if that makes sense, and doing missions that really are supplementary and side missions but are interesting in their own way without having to be like, oh my god, it's the end of the world and S.H.I.E.L.D.'s going to save it. Like, who cares about the Avengers? Right. The, the continuity is completely forced. And so, you know, the, the CW model, which we're going to talk about extensively next week, makes a lot more sense. Gotham, it seems, is... is I, I think if they introduce enough new characters that were good actors with good writing, you could have Gotham City itself as sort of an interesting character and just an interesting place to have a you know detective drama or whatever the hell they're trying to do with it. Well, that's the biggest problem the show has is that it can't pick a tone. It doesn't know if it's a police procedural or a very dark screwball comedy, for lack of a better word. The closest aesthetic I can think of is the Gotham as it's portrayed in Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, the two late 90s Joel Schumacher movies, which I liked Batman forever when I saw it. I was a kid. I was probably 11 or 12, and I think I was the perfect age to enjoy it. Even by the time Batman and Robin came out just two years later, I was already too old and saw how stupid it was. But this idea of a crazy, over-the-top, ridiculous Gotham City, that's as close to what you have in Gotham in the Gotham TV show as you're going to find in pre-existing material. If they could commit to that all the time, it would maybe at least be fun. Um, you know, it's it keeps going back and forth between being so over the top that it's goofy to soap opera melodramatic to boring. It just it can't find a tone and stick with it. Mm-hmm. Um, in part because each character is written like they're in a different version of this show. Like, here's the thing I like about Gotham, and there are things that I like. Um, the weird side characters are usually really good uh, character actors that are a lot of fun to watch. You know, Harvey Bullock, played by uh, Donald Logue, is really good, but he doesn't have anything to do on the show. Um, You know, Jada Pinkett Smith as Fish Mooney was pretty good. I love Jada Pinkett. I think she's an underrated actress. I really like her. I think so, too. I mean, Michael Chiklis, for as bizarre as he was as Captain Barnes, not bad. Benedict Samuel, who's previously one of the crazy wolf guys on Walking Dead as Jervis Tetch or the Mad Hatter, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, this past episode had uh, Victor Zaz come back, um, mm-hmm. who is this kind of weird albino assassin kind of a guy. Um, mm-hmm. And he's really, really fun to watch um, just because of how goofy he is and how cocky he is. Mm-hmm. Um He's played by an actor named Anthony Kerrigan, who really is – he's really an enjoyable one to watch. So when you get these side characters, they can be quite enjoyable. The problem is the actors who are getting the most screen time are not interesting. Mm -hmm. Ben McKenzie as James Gordon sucks. He is really bland. He has no chemistry with anybody. Um, David Mazuz as Bruce Wayne is really pretty bland and boring. Cameron Bincondova as 
Selena Kyle, really pretty bland and boring and more, you know, she's got this really interesting slinky acting style, but then when she gives her lines, they're really flat. Um, Robin Lord Taylor as Penguin was pretty interesting to watch, and the same could be said for uh, Corey Michael Smith as Edward Nigma. But they have stripped a lot of the fun out of those characters. So uh, the problem is a lot of the main characters are boring and a lot of the side characters that don't get a lot of screen time are interesting. And that's the wrong way to do it. Um, at least with S.H.I.E.L.D., the main characters are probably the most interesting people on the show. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, <clears throat> just a quick logistical thing. We'll, we'll run to your final uh, moment of the week and then your, your hor- top one horrible moment, uh, which is, you know... <sighs> Not only is DC spreading out in terms of having all these different universes, but they're spread out among the studios. And it's not clear to me why it's on CBS or CW, and now this is on Fox, right? And so, uh, you know, I I guess, you know, it would seem to be a built-in advantage that the Disney stuff is totally streamlined, and that it's ABC on television, and a certain thing in the movies, right, and a certain thing in comic books and so forth. Uh, Maybe it is better to diversify, and that's why... um, uh, well, I guess, no, FX is still Fox, so that's why X, the, the X-Men shows are going to be there, or at least Legion. Um, d- does it feel extra dis- discontinuity, you know, in a way, because this is a standalone show on a standalone network in terms of DC stuff? I mean, it doesn't feel at all like it's part of a larger universe. I don't really mind that. I, I You know, we yeah. when we did our Avengers commentary, we said that... Um, you know, the Avengers changed everything for these kind of films because everybody now is trying to make a large extended universe approach to them. I don't mind that Gotham is just by itself. I like that, if anything, because then I don't feel like I have to watch anything else to get what's going on in Gotham. I just wish this standalone thing was a lot better than it is. By the way, uh, Warner Brothers actually owns 50% of the CW, which I did not know. Well, yeah, the CW was a combination of the WB channel, UPN, which was also owned by CBS yep. or, or and, and CBS. CBS, yep. So, yeah, so it's all owned by Time Warner. Right. But I'm saying, you know, it wasn't just Supergirl being forced off CBS and onto CW. It, she's kind of where she belongs in terms of an ownership standpoint. Um, right, no, it was easy to move them. They didn't have to yeah. sell it to somebody else. They just changed what channel it was going on. Yeah. Um, yeah just, and as it, we'll it, talk it, about yeah. next week, I mean, Supergirl yeah. oh, yeah. wins, gets my most improved award because it's so much better this year with a lower budget. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, okay, man. Uh, let's keep moving here. So uh, top uh, moment of the week. And we should – man, I was trying to think about how to describe each week. I mean, it's going to be called episode one, episode two, episode three, yada, yada, yada. Right. Um it's hard to know where the week starts and ends. So, I mean, do I just announce the date at the beginning? I don't know. We'll have to discuss how, you know, the week of, you know, January 16th to January 22nd, I guess would be this week um, that we are in. And so, uh, so what's your top moment? I'd say my top moment this week is actually from Taboo. Uh, you know, if you, Tom Hardy does a lot of cool Tom Hardy-ish stuff, but he finally actually gets overshadowed a little bit by another actor There is a scene where he goes to visit a doctor, an American doctor operating in London uh, named Edgar Dumbarton, played by an actor named Michael Kelly. Most people would probably know Michael Kelly from House of Cards. He Mm -hmm. plays Doug Stamper, um, and he's been nominated for Emmys for his performance uh, and Screen Actors Guild Awards. 
Um, he was also in an episode of Black Mirror. Really interesting, kind of quiet but pretty menacing actor um, who actually sort of out Tom Hardy's Tom Hardy and how cool he is, including drawing a gun and shoving it in Tom Hardy's face and making him leave. Um, it, it was a pretty cool scene to finally see somebody who is not immediately cowed and acquiescent right. to Tom Hardy's Tom Hardy-ishness. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I, one of the great things about Tom Hardy for me is that he, he kind of can act like a point guard. You know what I mean? In movies, like he's happy to dish it out as much as take the shot himself. The, the, and I'm not going to put him on the level of guys like Daniel Day-Lewis and Christian Bale because he's just not done that number of stuff. But those guys can only be written for as leads, essentially. And even even when a guy like Christian Bale is not technically a lead in The Fighter, I mean, that movie is really about Christian Bale. It's not about oh, Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. There's a reason Mark Wahlberg didn't get any Oscar nominations yeah. and Christian Bale won. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, even the title of the movie is is really talking about Christian Bale's character, not not Mark Wahlberg's character. Point being, Tom Hardy can exist, you know, both ways. And, you know, I mean, in, in Mad Max, Charlize Theron was supposedly – the lead. I mean, I, I, well, not supposedly. He was supposedly the lead, being Max, but she ended up being the lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- no, that was done deliberately. Less. It was done deliberately, but I'm saying a lot of, you know, a, a well-established, you know, excellent, you know, charismatic actors wouldn't want to have a movie named after them only to be, you know, second billing within the actual movie, you know? And I think there's something to be said for sharing the love. And the fact that Tom Hardy's a producer, writer at least, on the show, right, with his dad. He's co-creator. Uh, right. So th- this is perfect for him. He has so many other jobs. You know, I'm sure he's thrilled um, to, 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 uh, to, you know, let other people step up because it's going to make him look better. I, I guess this is a long way of saying he, d- he seems to be an egoless actor, at least on the screen. And, you know, I mean, just for example, uh, uh, Bane, <laughs> who Donald Trump ripped off part of his speech from, uh, yeah. Bane in, in Dark Knight Rises, um, you know, he had to go to such great lengths to achieve that character. It looks and sounds nothing like him. And uh, so I, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm backwards, DVR, I'm DVRing the repeats uh, of, uh, of Taboo because my dad's loving it. And so I definitely want to check that out. And so I'm glad that show's going well. So my friend, before we do a final thought and sign off, what is the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad thing this week? Well, it's also from uh, Gotham. <laughs> And unfortunately, it, it involves Marina Baccarin, oh, famously of Firefly. Deadpool. You know, a, a person that every nerd male probably has a deep, deep, deep crush on. Yep. Uh, and I say this out of love. Her character on Gotham needs to die. Not because yeah. I don't like Dr. Leslie Tompkins, but because I think Marina Baccarin needs to get as far away from this franchise as she possibly know. could. Why is she? I mean, I, she I don't know succeeded. why she was cat. She succeeded in three completely different genre properties as, as, as you know, as leader, co- leader secondary lead. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know why she wanted to do this. There must have been something about the project she liked or she just needed work. I mean, you never know. No matter how good or pretty or talented an actor or actress is, you know, for any number of reasons, they could maybe go a while without a project and they need to take it. You know, they need a job for whatever reason. I mean, or- y- you could... If it weren't for Homeland, 
you could say that she's part of the you know the sci-fi genre actor curse that you know like Alan Tudyk's current web series is parroting among other you know they all get this has been happening forever. I mean, this was a way bigger problem when we were kids. Like if you were on a Star Trek episode, you weren't getting anything that wasn't science fiction. Uh, people on t- television, I mean, it, it's more open-minded now. But you know, you look I mean, at Nathan Fire- Fillion went to Castle right for right, like right, eight nine yeah. years. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 but I'm saying if you especially if you do multiple, so you know, if you add Firefly uh, V, is that what it's called? Z V V V Deadpool and now Gotham. You know, that's four major parts and four comic book properties or, or uh, genre properties but the exception was homeland which at least in the first couple seasons was highly acclaimed and she was nominated for best supporting actress emmy at least once and was spectacular in that role as completely non-morena baccarinish i mean i don't know what she's right. like on on gotham but you wouldn't reckon i mean other than her face you wouldn't recognize her from from firefly or deadpool i mean just completely uptight controlling housewife who turns out right. you know paranoia is well placed because her husband's like a closet terrorist and won't tell him tell her and blah blah blah, blah. um and uh it just makes me sad now being only a year or two older than me she is still young enough and looks great enough i hate to say that but let's be honest we're dealing with hollywood here she she's young enough by far to to to, to bounce back from this but it does make me sad and i wanted to comment on the jada pinkett smith thing i mean the only, the most compelling thing by far of, of Matrix Revolutions is Jada Pinkett Smith. I mean, her scenes are magnetic, and everything else in that movie is terrible, but her and Morpheus in that movie are great. And so I'm always like, why isn't Jada Pinkett getting more love? And then she does get a role on a shitty show that you say she did a good job on, and now she's gone? No, oh. I want her gone because no, I no, think I'm saying Jada Pinkett. For, Jada Pinkett. Oh, Jada Pinkett. Yeah. Yeah. She. Her performance as Fish Mooney was very weird, very over the top. It was probably a good performance. I mean, she certainly embodied the character pretty well. But this is bad but, casting because what made her yeah, great I, I in don't the think Matrix she was cast or conceived no. quite right as a character. What made, and what made her great in the Matrix movies with her role was that she was basically playing a more intense, badass version of herself. I mean, she was really yeah. natural in those movies, which is the last thing you'd ever think to say about uh, acting performance in the Matrix, which is why she was so memorable in the sequels because she was like the one person who was acting like a normal human being. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I don't understand where this bad casting comes from. It is possible, man. And this is a discussion we won't finish today that maybe we'll string uh, throughout the episodes is – the, the number of TV properties, when we include streaming, which we're crossing streams, so we're definitely including, is 10 times what it was 10 years ago. Maybe more. Right. So there are just a ton of roles to fill. And yes. while there are a ton of um, amazing shows out there, it's not clear that the ratio is much higher than it used to be. It's just that it's it's easy to, to cherry pick now, whereas mm-hmm. with network television, you know, you needed all the premiums and all the stations and had, and had to work really hard to have, you know, four, five, six good shows a week to watch and have tons of, you know, uh, uh, VCRs and, and VHS tapes and so forth. Now it's super easy. Um, is this making sense that like, like it, it like it's almost, it's creating more jobs for actors, but it's also creating more bad job potentially for, for good actors? Yeah. And there is a question of you have all of these great shows and Gotham is not a great show, but you have all of these shows. And you have all of these parts that you need. You know, the greatest, the really top-notch actors, even television actors, there aren't that many of them. And so, you you know, you're going to have to start filling your your show 
with second tier or third tier actors. You know, the problem the Sci-Fi Channel has is most of the shows that it has are all second or even all third tier actors. You know, The Expanse is Thomas Jane. Well, Thomas Jane is a B plus borderline A level actor, um, but Dark Matter has nobody famous on it, and it it kind of struggles because all of these actors on that show are all a little bit flat because they're just not as good yeah, as... Yeah, but... And I, can't, I hate to keep using this example, but it's the only one I can think of when it comes to this stuff, which is outside of Eddie Almost and Mary McDonald, everyone, for the most part, on Battlestar had never been heard of or tested That's before. That's true. So better writing and directing can elevate anybody, for sure. Yeah. I mean... But they found Katie Sackhoff, who's now on another really successful show that's six seasons deep on Netflix. So. Yep. And so. I have no doubt that some new stars are going to emerge out of these sci-fi shows... Uh, you know, but you're going to wind up with a lot of crap too. Um, you know, Deadpool is a great example because Ryan Reynolds, all his previous action movies had been flops, but he finally found a project with a really good script and a director who knew what he was doing with the, you know, who had a really clear vision for what Deadpool, the movie should be. And they produced something that, I mean, maybe was the best superhero movie last year. Um, so, so, so the horrible, terrible, no good, very bad thing uh, is is Marina Becker, and it's so sad. All right, all right. So the yeah, the mid season finale back in December is she's marrying some other guy, not Ben Gordon, and he gets infected with this d- blood that makes him go crazy, okay. and he is about to stab uh, Marina Becker to death on their honeymoon, basically, like the night after their wedding which is about as over-the-top soap operation as you can think. Gordon knows he's sick. He goes to confront he goes to confront the new guy. He shows up right as this guy is drawing a knife about to stab Marina Baccarin in the back, pulls out his gun, shoots this guy four times, kills him. Very conveniently, the knife falls into the ocean, so they never find the, uh, the weapon. So then when the midseason fin- uh, premiere shows up, she barges into the office and she's like, why haven't you arrested this man? He's a monster. He's a murderer, blah, blah, blah. And the whole episode is premised on her feelings being wrong because every viewer knows this guy was literally five seconds away from stabbing her to death. So everything she's feeling is portrayed as false, unfair, incorrect, which is a form of a technique called gaslighting, which is something abusers do by which they basically take what people are telling them bothers is bothersome and saying, no, you're wrong. You are misconceiving the situation. Um, it comes from a play and a movie from the 30s where a guy basically keeps changing the environment to make his wife think she's insane. Um, it's an abuse tactic, basically, a form of mental abuse. And so this whole show is basically gaslighting Morena's feeling her character's feelings because she really was in life-threatening danger. And so all the rage and anger she feels at Gordon for shooting her husband are completely unfounded, completely unfair. It's her fault for feeling that way. Hmm. Um, so I've accused the show of being misogynist before. This is on a whole new level. This is the show is more or less abusing Leslie Tompkins' character. Hmm. So yeah, that's my shitty, no good, very bad moment of the oh, week. Oh man. Um, <laughs> okay, so I have a quick question for you, um, yes. which you can decline to answer if you want. But I, it's we've been building towards it, and w- w- when you texted me back about Rogue One the other day, I sort of solidified in my mind. Um, and then I want you to we'll end on a super quick preview of CW Week. 
Okay. Okay. So my question is, we've talked about me being more movie guy, you being more TV guy, blah, 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 blah. So you like to not love Rogue One. Yes. Did you see any movies this past year twice? Deadpool. Okay. Uh, Deadpool might have been the only one, actually. Were there any um, movies you saw, t- or let's put this way, were there any movies that if they had been free, you would have spent the time and gone back and seen a second time, even if you saw it after the fact, like on TV or something? Sure, I'd have seen Rogue One for free again. I would have seen S- Civil War right. for free again. So, um, okay. So... Do you see, and again, this is this is just complete questioning. This is not like an accusation. But do you see movies as essentially like three-episode TV shows? Um, because that's, nope. how you, that's how you sort of treat the watching of them. Like, like, you're willing to watch dozens of hours of shows you hate, but you won't go rewatch Civil War, Rogue One. It's, it's hard for me to understand. It's because... When I see a movie, I can't do what maybe you can do where I can focus on a different aspect of the film every time. The plot and characterization and general execution is the stuff that sticks with me from a movie. Just does the movie work or not? And so I have already seen Rogue One. I know what the Rogue One experience is. And there's for me, there wasn't enough in Rogue One again mm-hmm. to be worth seeing a second time. To see what I might have missed. There just there wasn't. Deadpool I watched a second time in part because people were laughing so hard during the first viewing, I missed a lot of the jokes. And I wanted to know what all of the jokes mm-hmm. were. Um, you know, I saw Force Awakens a second time mostly because I had to get up and pee during the middle of the first viewing and wanted to know what scene I missed. Um, you know, for me, seeing a movie once is a complete movie-going experience. And even if you know, I'll rewatch Gotham, you're right, but not an episode I've already seen. I don't rewatch television shows except Firefly yeah. and occasionally a, Doctor Who and yeah. The Muppet Show. Yeah. You know, so I mean, no, my, my my question was more about the the time commitment, like in terms of what you're getting. I mean, you know, Rogue One, Civil War, yeah, there's still comic book Star Wars movies, but my guess is there's a little bit more layering and density there than you know your average uh, episode of Gotham or, or Agents of Shield. Um, and I guess if if you ever just want to sort of cleanse your palate with something you've seen before, and maybe get get new insights. I mean, yeah, you do. You have watched Firefly a lot, um, as have I. I mean, we're similar in that way. It's like our very, very, very favorite movies and, and TV shows we'll watch more than once. Um, I guess I have. I'm sort of more in the middle of having more TV properties and more movies that, that I'll, I'll watch numerous times. I'm just, you know, you're 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 a TV guy, man, and so I'm just trying to get get into your head about what makes the TV experience so special that you don't feel like you get in movies i think the the plot is a big part of that it's the plot it's the time commitment you know the fact that i can sit in my house and watch at any time versus having to block out time and drive to a theater um you know it's the immediate cost even though probably considering what cable costs you know what i'm paying per episode is not all that or what i'd pay for three episodes of tv Mm-hmm. Probably actually pretty close to the cost of a matinee movie ticket. Um, I would also say that. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I really wasn't. Cl- no, I'm sorry. I was. I'm. Uh, I wasn't clear about this. I talked about also just rewatching a movie down the road when it comes onto TV or Netflix. Like Civil War is on Netflix now. Uh, sure. Then maybe I'll check it out at some yeah. point. I mean, 
I am generally of the opinion that a movie is made to only be watched once, that filmmakers make their films to get across the entire message, if possible, in one viewing, because you have no way of knowing a movie is supposed to, uh, if people are going to want to watch your movie two or three times, or they'll see it once and be done with it. And if you don't know that, you better make all of the points you want to make in one uh, you know, understandable in one viewing. So I like to see a movie as the way I think it's intended to be seen. Yeah. TV shows, especially once VCR became a technology, were always uh, depicted in such a way as to be watched more than once. And now you have on demand, you have DVR. So now you really can easily rewatch television over and over again, or you can stream the same episode over and over again on Netflix. So yeah. people are making TV shows in such a way that they're they can assume people may watch it more I mean, than once. if you think that Joss Whedon made the Avengers to be seen once, then you're not following things very closely. And that's why it made a billion and a half dollars, was a lot of people saw it two, three, four times. Me and you have seen that movie a million times. You know, yeah, I, mean, I saw Avengers twice in theaters. I saw Dark Knight four times, or no, three times in theaters. There you go. And I've watched both of those on... I've watched both of those on at home a couple yeah, of times those, as well. Dark Knight, I can't rewatch anymore because it's it's too depressing. And those and are the, too, the those are the fifth and sixth highest grossing domestic movies ever because of their rewatchability. That's how you get to a billion and a half. I mean, that's sure. That's, it's and and the movie makers themselves are definitely trying to layer it so you want to watch it multiple times. Now the studios, I agree with you. The studios care about getting people there once. Yeah, but the the movie makers and the actors are trying to layer their direction and their performances to be something that you watch a bunch of times. Um, so, I guess I I don't know. Like, I mean, to think this- to think that there there isn't more care put into you know a, a movie like Dark Knight or The Avengers compared to Gotham or Shield. I, I just don't think that that's true i mean tv is the ultimate let's get people to watch shit one time even if they hate it especially if they hate it you would never hate watch a movie right uh certainly i mean i've watched movies i've hated i watched batman v superman but but i would never watch batman v superman again unless we do an audio commentary for it but right but the gotham equivalent of movies would be you seeing suicide squad knowing you're gonna hate it because you're gonna hate it Although what I will say is if Suicide Squad was on TV for free or on Netflix for free or like on HBO or something and I was at a house that had HBO, I'd probably check it out once just to yeah. see that, say that I saw it, you know. Yeah. I mean, um, so, I, I'm, yeah. so sorry, my, my, my uh, cause I, this has all been at you. I want to take some culpability here that I really have problems with commercials, even fast forwarding through sure. them, which is causing me problems with these TV shows and why I'm paying extra to see Arrow commercial free and, and Vikings and so forth. And I, I cannot wait till we find a day where we can just pick our channels and pay 10 bucks a month per channel, you know, cause I'm pretty sure I could pick six or eight channels to get all my content from and still be saving a ton of money on my cable bill. You know, I yeah, can get I- HBO, I could get uh, FX, I could get AMC, I could get, you know, the CW, I could probably pick three or four more. And then you add that with Netflix and Amazon, I'm still under $100 a month, which is less than my current cable bill, although I am splitting it with other people in my house. Um, and so I, I just am having trouble sitting, you know, down and watching back to back to back episodes where I'm just constantly fast forwarding through commercials. It really hurts the experience for me. And that's part of why I love movies. And, and, and I like taking that time out 
of my life, you know, and getting away. I, I see movies solo often. It's it's kind of a meditative thing for me. So it was just, you know, I, I think it's important for business class listeners to know that, you know, for all the a million podcasts we've done together, there are some, you know, fundamental differences in how we view these things. And I think that's what sure. makes our podcast relationship great. What I will also say is if I really enjoy a movie, I will at least think about seeing it again. You know, I loved Deadpool, so I did go back and paid mm-hmm. for another ticket. I really liked Force Awakens, the, and I went Guardians? back to pay for another ticket. Rogue One, I, I liked it, but I didn't like it enough to want to go see it again. No, I, hate, I, I thought I, I found the first half really unengaging. Fine, 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 I hated fine, fine, fine. Jin, that wasn't that wasn't that. W- Oh, you hated Jen. Wow. Um, I, so, I didn't like her. I thought she was really boring. Okay. Um, the, the, the Rogue One was just a trigger of something we've, we've talked about, just about how high the bar is for you to re-see a movie versus all, all the TV you watch. And I, I guess I'm through you, I'm trying to get into the mind of the voracious TV watchers out there, which is most of our country, including almost all my friends who are extremely highly intelligent people. It's really hard to get them to go see a movie, but if it's a TV show, they'll binge the whole thing. Um, it's just an interesting cultural trend. And, uh, if I had more patience, now my problem is occasionally I'll stumble across a show. Like when I, when you got me onto arrow, maybe mm-hmm. like I can't have even been more than a year ago, maybe less. And I binged watched, you know, three plus seasons of Arrow in like a month or something. You know, then I get like super right. addicted and it was on Netflix, which is, you know, so no mm-hmm. commercials and you go, I mean, like, not only that, but like when you watch, you know how when you watch uh, network shows um, on Netflix and you let them just go back to back, it skips like the intro music and the previously on and everything just goes right, right, right. into the episode. Yeah, yeah. So that's, so I can get super, so I have a very addictive personality. Um, mm-hmm. And so that is why I see movies I love a million times and also why I, I sometimes stay away from TV shows. So we will continue this conversation, Matt. Um, this was a great first episode, a little on the long side, but that's to be expected, and we're still working on it. Um, I certainly, and we're still under an hour, which is like yeah. a record for us. Oh, yeah, which is fantastic, <laughs> which is fantastic. And so um, why don't you take us out with um, the preview to CW? Was Invasion the final or second final episode to CW? Because if there's a final one, I might have to go uh, uh, watch those on demand. All right, so the C, uh, the Supergirl episode of the crossover that was the last episode. Um, when that gets back on the air, they're going to be dealing. I think the Dominators are actually going to show up on Supergirl's Earth, or or her, her universe's Dominators are going to show up. Um, the Flash is going to be dealing with the fallout of Savitar, the God of Speed. Um, so there was and now Flash, there was another Flash uh, episode. Yeah, there was another Flash episode. There's another Arrow episode, which is going to continue the story of how Oliver Queen joined the Bratva and battled Dolph Lundgren and what the deal is with Prometheus, uh, the sort of the big bad of the season. And then Legends of Tomorrow is about tracking down the Spear of Destiny, which is actually a pretty deep cut reference to DC Comics lore where – Even I know that. Okay, for people who don't know, the Spear of Destiny is another name for the spear that pierced Christ's side in, you know, when Christ was crucified. And uh, in this version, in the TV, it can, can rewrite reality. In the comics, Hitler had it because Hitler was really into occult stuff, and it gave him the power to control the minds of anybody with superpowers on the continental Europe, mm-hmm. which is why no superheroes fought in World War II. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a convenient retcon of why didn't Superman just go over there and beat up Hitler and be done with the whole thing. It is interesting, I have to say, uh, and then we'll wrap up, it, it was that 
you know, the, the, the Jewish folks or, or just liberal folks behind comic books and Star Wars and stuff do tap into things that were also interesting to Nazis and, and you know, and like the occult, for example. Or, um, you know, I talked about one of my Rogue One reviews. They called the, you know, the Guardians of the, the Force Temple, the Guardians of the Will, which is like a really Nazi-esque uh, kind of concept, you know, the notion of the yeah, Will. Yeah, the Wills. Apparently that's a, Je- a, a Jedi Bible sort of a thing is. that is referred to occasionally and i don't know what right but uh, the joseph campbell stuff you know goes both ways and i think part of lucas's mission and some of these other people have been to sort of reclaim these ideas as as fascistic you know in the same way that sure. Mar- marvel and dc both deal with the occult a lot i think is interesting um i kind of was okay with the magic stuff in uh in, in arrow i just didn't think it was well executed at times um, and uh, my, my final thought, because I will, if nothing else, you and I will have both seen the Arrow episode when we record, record next week, um, which is, I, I sent you an, e- uh, an email uh, a week or two ago about the five or ten reasons why Arrow needs to end, and you were like, well, they did the same exact thing before the previous season or whatever, and mm-hmm. I totally get that, but I have to say, man, I agreed with almost every single one of those points. Um, sure. I, I, didn't, I don't love the new team. You know the the moral back and forth is getting old. The the flashbacks really should have ended after season three. Um, it, it, they're they're so desperate to divert attention from the from weak writing on the main storyline that he, you know, and and it really also you know the, the notion of the island in the first season or two was really compelling. And now that we know that he was hardly ever on the island, you know, I mean, it's yeah, like, he was there for two years, and then he went away for a year, and then he's back for a year. I don't mind the flashbacks, and I like the Russia flashbacks, actually. I like them a lot. The, the only way I could see going forward is if they, they have to completely ditch the flashbacks just logistically after this season, because... I'm pretty sure they will. Yeah. And then they have to figure out this new team thing, because I'm not, I'm not feeling the new team at all. I'm not feeling the kids. Um, and just as a, a counterexample, you know, Vikings is trying to push forward past season four and five by introducing young actors, and they are, like, amazing, amazing European theater actors for the most part i mean they they put the the the, the kiddies and the new arrow team to shame with their acting ability um and so i'm i'm you know i'm, I'm still cautiously optimistic about the rest of the season i do think and i do want to catch up on some flash i'm looking forward to that in particular your review this week if flash can write itself i think that show has a few more seasons in it for sure i don't know how you feel about that I think both shows are going to keep going for a couple more years, and I think they're going to go off the air at the same time. I've said before, hmm. if you get rid of one but not the other, there is this really hard to answer question of what do you do with the hero from the other one? You know, you can't. I, I have a hard time conceiving of oh. an Arrowverse without the Flash or Green Arrow. They're kind of the two most important people in this whole universe. Well, you could kill one or both of them. I mean, that's happened in the comics, I assume, multiple times. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you could kill them and bring them back, but I, I mean, if you cancel one show and not the other, there's a whole lot of characters that you got to answer some weird questions about where are they, you know, why aren't they sure. doing, helping out all the time, etc. All right, so um, really quickly, what are some of the shows that we should be watching and looking forward to for next week? I, I would definitely check out all of the uh, premiere episodes um, for the CW. That is Supergirl on Monday, Flash, and now Legends of Tomorrow on Tuesday. 
and Arrow on Wednesday. How would you prioritize those, man? If people haven't really watched much CW of the four shows, like I don't want, I don't want you to rank them in terms of quality because I know that changes year to year and episode to episode. But in terms of like getting into it, if you can only watch one or two of the four, where would you point people? Start with Arrow because it came first. Because the first season of Arrow is maybe better than Daredevil season one in terms of dark fight choreography kind of a show. Um, And then from there, you could actually pick and choose whether you'd rather watch Supergirl first or Flash first. Arrow Mm -hmm. will introduce Flash. Supergirl is its own thing. Um, Now, the Flash will show up on a season one episode of Supergirl, so you might want to at least be familiar with the fact that there is a Flash. Um, But that's really all you need to know in that about him. Uh, And Legends of Tomorrow comes last. Legends of Tomorrow, you could pretty much skip except that the Dominator episode of Legends of Tomorrow is really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what would be your pitch for Supergirl? I, Supergirl is a kick-ass show about a young woman kicking a lot of ass um, <laughs> with a lot of fun people helping her out. It's about sisters. Uh, it's of the TV shows I watch, which is admittedly not a lot of family drama stuff mm-hmm. the sister relationship between Kara and alex is the strongest of any tv show i watch i find it very compelling to watch um you know the ways that it captures some of the same spirit as the richard donner superman movies uh which are the best version of superman there's ever been is really cool and really enjoyable um And I like the ways that they just kind of take everything that made Superman and the quintessential American hero and just make a girl do it this time, make a woman do it. Um, You know, that's progressive to just say all of this stuff could just as easily be embodied by a woman as a man. Interesting. Um, A couple more shows uh, premiering this coming week, um, none of which I will probably watch, but at least are interesting (laughs) conceptually and are are, – genre or semi-genre show uh you've got the magicians on sci-fi um which collider gives three stars for the new season i don't know that's a show i would watch um have you seen it nope okay it's it's fantasy right i mean it, it it's yeah. like actual fantasy yeah and then you've got the aaron paul show which i briefly mentioned the path where he's i think the, the leader of a cult or in a cult of some sort um on hulu um that's january 25th um, so it must not be horrible if we got a second season, although who knows these days. Um, is the Z show on Amazon like World War ZZ? Is that what it's talking about? Because that's also... I, I believe, yeah, it has something to do with zombies. Yep. And um, let's see. Did I have another one? I think those are the uh, the only ones. Some show called Outsiders. Yeah, I've seen commercials for that, and I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like it's a... Uh, it's. Um, sort of like f- Mad Max, but fantasy- fantasy-ish. Um, there is a ton of genre on. I mean, what would it take for you to convert from some of the stuff you watch? I know I kind of brought this up before, to to, to new genre. Um, sorry, a- ask that question again? I, I mean, like, ha- you know, we know you're going to watch the CW shows. Right. But th- the sci-fi shows, which mostly you're going to give another chance, like why like at least with gotham i can get the dc connection and just it being a train wreck you know like how did you settle on those handful of sci-fi shows when i say sci-fi i mean syfy shows i mean the expanse got a really good um review initial review people said it was pretty good 
People liked the pilot for uh, 12 Monkeys Ahead of Time. Defiance, Helix, and Dark Matter, I think I maybe was just watching stuff on Sci-Fi already. They came on, maybe I saw one you know, preview and said, sure. And I DVR'd the pilot and I liked it enough to stick with those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 12 Monkeys, I certainly liked that movie a lot as a kid. Um, I didn't adore it because I was a little too young to quite get all of the fatalism of it and the, you know, mm-hmm. the idea of the doomed nature of actually trying to affect time. Yep. Um, Okay. So just a quick heads up to people, uh, in, in the next two weeks, shows that you should be planning on, uh, on maybe DVR and you're considering on Wednesday, February 1st, you've got the Expanse premiere. Yep. And then, uh, a week after that on my nephew's first birthday, yay, February 8th, <laughs> uh, is Legion. Um, and, uh, those would be sort of the two, uh, in the, in the next following weeks that we, I, well, I'd say we're more likely to cover Legion just because I'm more likely to watch. Like, that's the show that both of us are more likely to watch at the same time, I think. Um, I would say so, yeah. But, but Expanse is certainly fair game. And then, do you, do you, do you watch still the, uh, The Walking Dead? Cause that's starting yep. soon as well. Yep. That starts okay. up February 12th. Um, we'll get to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan beat more people to death with his baseball bat covered in barbed wire. So, and- uh, so, so for shows like uh, The Walking Dead, and we'll sign off here, um, I'm sure you will do this anyways, but just let the watchers know, you can hear, I mean, they have entire shows devoted to The Walking Dead out there, TV yep. and podcast and otherwise. Um, it's Talking Dead. Right. Which, right after Walking Dead. Which I'm not even <laughs> going to talk about because of a certain talk show host who's involved with that. Um, but so if, if we talk about it here, people, we're going to bring something funny or weird or otherwise to the table. Otherwise, we've got too many properties to deal with that. Matt, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. And chances are, I haven't loved the season of Walking Dead, so... More likely than not, The Walking Dead is going to wind up on my downside of TV in the week than on my upside. I, I haven't liked this season. I found it so over the top that it becomes laughable. So, you know, we are not going to be giving it a hand job the way Chris Hardwick does. Yep. And uh, um, it is confirmed the Inhumans TV series is happening with a third rate uh, showrunner. So, <laughs> I, I think Kevin Feige is is officially trying to kill uh, Marvel on television, which maybe we'll talk about again. So, thanks so much, Matt. This was great. Um, we look forward to next week. I look forward to hearing from you. You know, mid end of week with thoughts. Um, about shows you can always send stuff to me and then change your mind obviously last minute um and uh people the shows i haven't been able to watch i'm following on summaries and that fills me in a little bit so hope you guys enjoyed uh, episode one of crossing streams already a success in my book and you'll be hearing from us one week from today Bizzlecast out cool buddy well just done just at an hour yeah that's not bad not too bad so um